As soon as you apply the truth of God's word into your lie, it changes that it changes that lie into what God really says about it. And once you begin to understand what God really says about it, chances are you're 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 not going to struggle with stuff like that. Welcome to the Kingdom Misfits Podcast, where we talk about biblical topics and culture through the lens of Scripture. Our goal is to deepen our understanding of God's Word, wrestling with Scripture, and renewing our minds. What's up, everybody? What's going on? How are you? Yes, we're back. We're the Kingdom Misfits. For all of you who are joining and who are new to the podcast, we welcome you. We're excited that you're here, and we hope that you're ready to go on a roller coaster of a ride for today's conversation that we're going to be talking about, be in the world of not of it. But before we get there, guys, I wanted to talk about the movie that we watched uh, last week. Yeah. The Jesus Revolution. What were your thoughts on that movie, uh, Mr. Michael? I like that movie, honestly. Um, I saw you as as uh, Pastor Frisbee. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, man, you know, oddly enough, I started like doing a lot of research on that guy. I, I'd never really heard about him until... The first time I watched that movie and last week going to see it in the theaters, man, it was a, uh, it was just thought provoking. Just thinking about what would happen to people who just opened up to just letting God have all every part of them. For me, I had a little back, uh, back story on that um, because we watched the Jesus music, that movie that came out, Jesus music with uh, all the big time, whatever, but that's where yeah, it started after, from. Yeah. yeah. Really, um, from his like uh, the hippie bands, like yeah. in the movie. Yeah, so that band that play, uh played at um who was that pastor? The the main character, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, Chuck Smith. the one Calvary that played Chapel. yeah at Calvary Coastal Chapel. Mesa. They're the ones that kind of changed the way Christian music was. Love song, yeah, they brought love song back in, yeah, and they changed it all, and that's what led to like DC Talk and Newsboy, all the you know Rebecca St James and all them, Amy you know, Grant. start Amy Grant, Amy Smith, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna date myself, Carmen. Yeah. <laughs> Striper. Yeah. <laughs> Striper. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So um, so I kind of had I kind of knew what was going on with that, you know, before seeing the movie. But like kind of what you were saying, Michael, what would we be like if we allowed God and the Holy Spirit just to work through us all the time? Like hmm. that's that's what you saw with uh, Chuck. That's what you saw with Frisbee. The, the scene that got me was uh, one of the characters uh he ended up being the other pastor that opened up the church um where he Great was glory. yeah where Great he glory. was walking in the rain right and he thought he was dead or uh, he was he was on he's gonna die because he yeah. was tripped out on drugs and uh he walked uh frisbee heard him screaming and so he he came out in the rain and he sat in the rain with him right he sat in the rain uh on the sidewalk to me that's the goal for like when I was seeing, it, I was like, man, that's I want to be able to see people like that the way, 
you know, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit and then just sit with them no matter what situation, what um, scenario they're in, but just to sit with them and be in there. And and there's this... Uh, Spoiler alert yeah, if you haven't seen the yeah. movie. <laughs> no, no. It's been out for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, go, go see it. But no, there there's a part in... Uh, we, we went and saw Avatar and they, they don't say I love you. And this is what I picked up in, the, in that movie. They don't say I love you to each other in the family, right? They look at them in their eyes and they you. say, I see you. And, and to me, that was really deep because it, to me, almost felt more personal than I saying I love you. When you look at somebody in the eyes and you say, I see you, right. you know, it has a different. Yeah. And I felt I felt what that is, what the Holy Spirit was saying to uh what was his name Greg Laurie yeah his to him through Ronnie I see right yeah his, it was God was saying like I see you yeah so I mean that movie was great man there was a couple times where uh it got real dusty in the in, in there you know yeah I, what I found pretty pretty interesting was the, just the whole fact that the way that the um what was it Chuck Smith right he was the pastor yep um who was played by Kelsey Grammer yep and then the way that how the church responded when the hippies started coming in yeah, they were all against it. They didn't want that to happen to, and they really challenged uh, Lonnie Frisbee. Really challenged Chuck's perspective on that. Right, because, uh, you know they're 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 looking for some. I can't remember that exact quote that he said, but that blew me away. He's like, they're all they're looking, looking for love, man. Yeah, and they're closing the door. Yeah, he says you guys have your closed people. the doors. Your people have your closed people the door have on closing them. the door. And then when that door opened up, they just came in droves and and. Lonnie was a pretty, uh, he was a pretty dynamic dude for reals. And I watched some of his sermons on YouTube afterwards. Yeah. I mean, he definitely had an anointing on him, even though he went to some pretty dark places afterwards. But sure. I, I think that the movie didn't want to, sh- I didn't think the whole point of the movie was to show his story. No, I don't even think that it was really about him. It was about the Lord. It was. Chuck Smith. Yeah. And that whole movement. Yeah. I would launch the whole Calvary Chapel movement. The area at that, in the 1970, I would say. And a lot of people... For that are changing lives today, um, their their dads and their fathers came from that movement. Yeah, sure. like one of the ones that come to mind is Raul Reese. Raul Reese, yeah, exactly. He came out of out of that movement, and yeah. then his son Ryan Reese, and then they're That's a big. Good. They have a big movement with Sonny Sandoval with the P, with POD and uh, Brandon Head Welch. The, the their movements, yeah, the whosoever's. Like so, you could you could trace the history and seeing. The people that responded to that, to that revolution, yeah. uh, you know, against the world, because I, what I loved about it, this is another thing that I got out of it was, if you look at back then, my wife uh, brought this up. There was a moment in time where it felt like something was gonna break back then, right? Mm-hmm. With the ju- the drug use, uh, the music, the rebellion, and stuff like that, right? Something had to break, mm-hmm. and that's what that movie kind of was the breaking point. Yeah, right? and then Jesus, the the Holy Spirit, just kind of swept the nation. You look to today, where it seemed like the there was something that was about to break because it's like we did a podcast a couple episodes ago talking about you know school and uh, the agenda and all this stuff and uh, gay and uh, trans all that stuff, right? And at a certain point, it felt like something was going to break, and then out of nowhere, Kentucky happened. And then mm-hmm. in Illinois, and then all yeah, these right. colleges, boom, boom, boom. And what I thought was really interesting was back then, it was through the music that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And now, like what I see today is what's changing everything are the young kids in school because 
the enemy showed up in the schools, right? Agreed. And then now God is showing up yeah. and just sweeping the nation. Don't didn't you see some similarities to the '60s and kind of what we're going through now in this generation? Sure. It seemed, I mean, nothing new is under the sun. Ecclesiastes. Yep, and and we're I feel like we're seeing a repeat where there's another cultural revolution because we're having culture clashes left and right again. Hopefully, to your point, Mike, that this younger generation really steps in and absorbs Jesus and and, and really just kind of holds on to that and finds, you know, changes the mind of the culture and also revitalizes the the growth of the church again because mm-hmm. we are i think i read some statistics where it talked about church attendance has been steadily declining so it's like the church is hitting a lull the we're seeing culture clashes so i think it's time for something to happen within the culture to you know uh what is what is that a revival yeah you know it's time for another revival to happen transitioning into that i was reading an article on uh christianity.com and it's about gatekeeping and why christians do it and I, I was it, it fit into what I was thinking of the movie The Jesus Revolution. And just for some context here, in the article it defines gate gatekeeping as, and this is from the Oxford Dictionary, um, one definition of gatekeeping can be a person or system that decides whether someone or something will be allowed to reach a particular place or person. So here are some types of gatekeeping that was referenced from the article where you see some in like married and single ministries. Haven't you seen that in churches before where if you're single, you kind of feel outcasted or if you're married and then you're around a bunch of singles, you feel like some of the ministries may be geared towards the singles. So there's different areas there. There's also uh, gatekeeping in terms of Christian and biblical education, right? If you want to teach a class, you need to have a certification or a biblical degree. Um, there's uh, you also see gatekeeping in the, the whole conversation, even in Bible, right? where Jews and Gentiles keeping Old Testament laws versus New Testament. So there's some gatekeeping there that happens. Sure. Including, you know, if you want to go back, you can also look at the, the Jewish uh, dietary restrictions, kosher versus non-kosher. Mm-hmm. And then we also see some gatekeeping when it comes to church denominations. And the article kind of highlights that stuff. Like, hey, if you're not part of this movement, this denomination, whether it's Pentecostal, Pentecostal uh, Baptist, um, Calvary, the yeah. Vineyard, all these different denominations. Some sort of fundamentalist. Yeah, if you're not that, some then... sort of doctrinally uh, heavy group, less spirit, some all spirit, some yeah. voltage. <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't, if you don't subscribe to one of those denominations or groups, you're, you're kind of back, blocked out of being part of those groups and, and being able to enjoy the community within them. So a lot of that goes on, and I found that article interesting. But, I mean, the key takeaways that I took from this article um, was that Jesus loved, cared for, ministered, and nourished the people who were hungry for spiritual food and deliverance. And then there's this also this other one that said, goes on to say, and I quote, Jesus ministered first to the Jews, and the early church ministered to the Gentiles. God wants every tribe, tongue, and nation to come to know him. If we gatekeep because we don't understand a certain worship style, or gifting of the spirit, we're technically being spiritually racist. There's no room for that mindset in the kingdom of God, a kingdom far bigger and more diverse than we can imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, how diverse is the kingdom of God? There's so many different things. Yeah. I think Toby Mack said it the best, right? In that song, Diversity, Diversity City. Mm. 
but that's I, I don't mean, think I've heard that, but no? I'll have to go check it out now. Okay, check it out. It's, Who was seeing? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll start singing right now. <laughs> but but I think that goes to the point of the body. How does the body operate? Right, the hand and the foot are different. Sure, I I think as as many different cultures as you have and different languages, um, different traditions, that you're gonna have a, a kind of a different spin on Christianity. I feel like so. Egyptians are going to perceive it a little different. Ethiopians, they seem to believe that they're more specialized into, um, I would say, um, Judaism, because they're supposedly were hanging on to the Ark of the Covenant for years. Um, supposedly, uh, Solomon had a baby with uh, a certain queen and that kind of thing. And so they, they hold the laws of God sacred to them supposedly more than anyone else you know because they feel like they got a certain right to the to the kingdom through so, uh, somebody was birthed there then there's um i guess uh christians in rome right that are i guess uh roman catholic right they're Isn't that orthodox sure Isn't that what that... Or- orthodox church that kind of broke off uh there's eastern orthodox um sh- the Western Orthodox is the Catholic Church, so I I feel like there's just so many different spins from so many different cultures, so many different people. Yet it's still one Bible, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, right? So for sure, and that all leads back to some of the stuff that we saw in the Jesus Revolution. You had the hippies coming in who were of a different culture. Sure. I mean, just think of it in America. Like when you go to different churches, and 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 you're talking about more or less demographics, right? The different geological locations of churches, exactly. But just think of here in America, you've got different races. So if you go to a, a Latin church, mm-hmm. Mexican church, they're definitely going to worship and preach in a different way than a white church or a black church, and so on and so forth. Even Messianic Jews or uh, on Saturdays, right? They got the or or uh, Friday at sundown, they got the Shabbat services where yeah. they they take out the Torah even though they believe in Jesus they're still uh, worshiping Jews so they do it on a certain day of the week so yeah could happen in different and, ways and do you feel like as a result of that some of us can become sort of dogmatic about our approach to how church should be conducted same as worship sure just like if you like the michigan wolverines man versus uh somebody else from michigan likes the spartans denver versus kansas city (laughs) yeah good yeah it's good so you you make the uh you make the the i guess the idea popular by i guess what you're conveying so to you it's the best thing going because it's your team, right? Mm-hmm. And so you you never experienced anybody else's side of anything, but you're just saying, this is what I know, and it's like my pride, you know? So True, very true. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing some work. Um, I do service work for fire sprinklers, right? And uh, we had some fire sprinkler pipe break at this church, and it's it's called St. Saint, uh, Matthew's, sorry, down mm-hmm. in uh, Centennial. To me, when I walk in, it, it looks Catholic. You know, I saw the pictures that you yeah. sent me. It looked pretty cool. Their it, whole backdrop, yeah. and so I'm there for three days. Excuse me on the um, on the third day while I'm waiting for uh, stuff to you know for the system to fill up and everything. I sit down and I talk with uh, one of the pastors there that that's been there. His name's Jacob. Uh, I guess Father Jacob is you know his title, and I just start asking him questions like, uh, "Hey, so is this a Catholic church?" And, He's like, no. He's like, this is a we're orthodox or how do you say that word? Orthodox. Orthodox. 
uh, Christians. Christians. And I was like, taken back. I was like, really? There's a such like there's. Did he explain thing? what it meant? Because what what does that? Yeah. Mean? So what he was telling me was, um, they take the way church it was back with the apostles, how they first started it, and like their their tradition from the very roots, and 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 they're from Egypt, so they're Egyptian. They have a uh that um firsthand knowledge of like the apostles back then in Africa and all that stuff, right? Sure. Uh-huh. And so that's where their tradition come that that church was started out of egypt and yeah. was and sent over like they sent him over to start this church okay so oh, wow yeah it's very traditional like they wear the robes and the cross and and everything and and they speak and he actually sent and i shared it with you guys but i've been watching more of his youtube uh teachings and they're i mean he's he's really good like sure. he, he it, it'll be like listening to one of our pastor friends you know sure. because they, they believe in jesus he was telling me like he they love Jesus like they're because I was asking what the difference was yeah. between an Orthodox Christian and like a, a Pentecostal or sure. this and that. And he's like they believe in the Holy Spirit and they believe in the you know the Trinity and Jesus and everything else. Yeah. They're just they're just real traditional when it comes. They're like from the way it was at the beginning. Okay, so that's kind of uh, what was explained to me uh, meeting him. But it was just so like they're so loving. That that when I got in there, the fathers, I guess, or the pastors, you know, they're like, "Can I get you make you some coffee? Do you want?" They gave me like snacks and stuff, like, and they just talked to me, like they're like really, really genuine people. It, it wasn't nothing new to me because obviously, like, I'm I'm a Christian and I'm around Christians, and so I see that godly love all the time. So it was very familiar with to me. What what I found myself though after an hour, the hour into our conversation. He asked me, he goes, why? Because I started opening up about my testimony and everything. And he goes, why do you feel like you um, like you should share your testimony? Like, why are you comfortable doing that? And, Good question. and I said, mm-hmm. well, I feel like we're like one in the same. Like there's there's I, f- I have familiarities with you. Like you are like my spirit felt comfortable to open up to him mm. and just tell him my testimony. I said, it's divine. You know, like this, it's a divine thing why and i took this from jeff and i always credit jeff with this because this is the first thing he taught me was about divine appointments and for whatever reason god had me down there at that church doing that work and and then i got to speak to him and you know we text back and forth and everything else he invited me back to the church whenever i i'm down that way to come in and if i want to bring my family down to one of their services you know just to you know be part of the uh, thing and I told him about our ministries and everything else and why why God has us meet people like that I don't know but it's totally a culture difference that yeah. he's he's a, a um an Egyptian they speak Egyptian uh I, I don't know Objective. yeah they speak that with each other in that church and everything and well isn't it cool to to go experience the different types of faith cultures for a lack of a better term. Sure. I, I enjoy seeing different pastors teach and seeing how mm-hmm. different churches do things. I, I love that. For me, it's just I get to go in and I get to learn something new. I get to see how different people praise and worship God. I get to see how different uh, people preach the sermons. It's all one body mm. and it's all good. I would just say as a point, don't be afraid to step outside of your box. Mm. Go observe some other churches and some other cultures. You're not leaving your home base, but it doesn't hurt for you to go get cultured and seeing what types of different movements there are within the body. 
I listened to this teacher on YouTube. Her name is, it looks like Holisa, but it's uh, Elisa Allwine. Man, she has some powerful stuff because she comes from like a Jewish background, but yet she's Messianic. And you can tell she's a woman of prayer because the teaching she has is a lot of revelation stuff. But you have to understand the, the uh, Hebrew, I guess, background in order to get really, really in-depth meaning stuff where... I think we would read it and just look over it and wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't even wonder what does that mean? We'd just be like, huh, okay, just mm-hmm. keep rolling, right? <laughs> yeah. And she she breaks a lot of that stuff down. So mm. she talks about words when you see them together. When it mentions the same type of uh, phrase not too far from each other, look in between there because there's like a secret message. Like just a lot of different helps stuff. helps open it up. It helps open up your understanding. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's the things that all the, all the Jewish people, uh rabbis know you know like just little tricks that they all know about when they read the word and i don't know it kind of blows our mind to think about in patterns of seven everything's like a menorah and just it folds into itself it's kind of crazy man but i just think it's uh it's totally different than listening to any kind of a i say uh american evangelical pastor td jakes or ron carpenter any of those guys you know there's big differences and that's why i think it's cool to embrace the diversity among the church sure yeah and one one of the things i wanted to share real quick one of the things that he shared with me was what they do before their service starts is an hour before they have their elder members show up an hour before service Mm -hmm. and they pray and worship for the service and the people that are about to attend nice like the whole congregation like for guests they pray for the guests that are coming before they come and i I don't know it's just what i got from it is their prayer life and the holy spirit is real important to them Mm -hmm. let me ask you both this question because i feel like as i get older there's something more appealing about tradition to me versus when i was younger Mm -hmm. when i was a younger believer i wanted everything fresh and new now now that I'm in my 40s, I tend to value some tradition, some 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 consistency, some ritual in church, whether, you know, that's the sacraments or just in terms of prayer. There's some there's something about tradition and routine that has become more appealing in my life as I'm starting to mature. Mm. What about you? Yeah, I think that how that helps without with the not getting chaotic. I yeah, think it keeps the yeah. consistency as well. Yeah, kind of like uh, you keep me and Mike in the corral, like <laughs> our, <laughs> our thoughts and conversations and everything, man. will just uh, be off going all over thing. the place. Yeah, so it's like a kind of a corralling of of uh, I guess uh, the mentality, you know, keep keep it kind of like keep it, keep it kind of the same thing, you know, so we don't get uh, go off in the left field somewhere. Yeah. And some folks are anti-tradition, or they call it religion. So some folks are very much against that. But again, we're trying to to help you open up your mind to embrace that diversity and also embrace some of the sameness and traditions. Sure. I think for me, so I'll be I'll be very careful how I say this just out of respect for everybody and it's just my own personal thoughts, you know, like I'm still like very clear with religion, being anti-religious, but the I behavior know, of religion? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's exactly what, what I'm trying to say is the behavior of religion. Yeah, being dogmatic. Right. And instead of having the relationship of with Christ first, mm-hmm. right? And traditions and, and doing that, if you want to categorize that as religion or, you know, uh, whatever, that's that's fine. That's what, 
you know what you what you do but for me i feel like it's part of the process right like mm-hmm. when you when you become uh, a christian and you don't really know what that is you don't know what you're doing you don't know what being baptized stamp means you don't know what exactly what to do at least from my perspective how i came into uh into this walk nobody it it, it didn't come with instructions when it, it does but nobody gave them to me right like nobody gives nobody really invests into you when there's altar calls and people get saved uh and that's it yeah when you're you new know? that can be kind of weird yeah and and you don't really understand what you're doing now you what for me i think it's a long process for us at least uh at least you and i, I don't, i'm not sure about michael but for us to get to the appreciation of the traditions and appreciation of mm-hmm. certain values in the church and and teachings and stuff i think all that is really is the beginning of where should be introduced when you're being when you become a christian so you understand the traditions and the values and all that stuff when people invest gotta attend a 101 class here like you like you should there there should be something like that set up in the churches where um what i what i liked about the whosoevers we brought them up right and i've been following them since like 2000 or 2009 2007 whenever they started um, what they do is when they do altar calls at the end of their st- at the end of the showing, and people that have uh, accepted Christ as their life, they give them bracelets, and they say, "Please keep these on. The next night, please uh, meet us here. And if you have a bracelet on, you get to come in." And like Sonny and Brand- uh, Brian Headwelch and Lacey, all of the people that are part of the Whosoever's, uh, Ryan Reese, they they sit down with them in a room and they they begin to take them through the process of what you just did, what it really means, and how to keep moving forward, how to feed yourself, how to grow, like all like they did this song be like, hey, come accept Christ, take him to and the yeah, and then them release there. them into the world, right, <laughs> and just release them into the world so you could kind of try to figure it out on your own. If you make it, you make it. You yeah, know? that's challenging, and and like that's one of the places where I feel like religion and some of the churches are really lacking in because we don't have that anywhere. Like, I'm 40 years old. I've I've been served. I, I've given my life to Christ when I was in uh, middle school or uh, high school, like right around that seventh, eighth grade time frame. And I didn't really when I got when I left high school, I didn't even like I thought, okay, God, what's next? And I didn't even know what like mm-hmm. if I was supposed to go to church or like like there was a lot of stuff, man, that yeah, wasn't there. Is. So I think us getting older, we valued those traditions because our spirits are getting mature when it should have been two or three, four years into it. Oh yeah. You know, as somebody should be taking uh, people along the way and maybe that's us. Maybe that's somebody listening to this. Maybe that's uh, maybe we're planting seeds and someone's going to come and water that, that section of, of life where something starts opening up in all these churches and they say, Hey, if you be giving your life to Christ, we're going to be given uh, classes once a week. Come and we're going to walk you through yeah, this until the, we the could, discipleship process. Yeah, until we can hand you off and see what God does with you. And I was thinking, like you're correct in that point because when you when you come out of the world, if you haven't grown up in a Christian home, and let's say you've you've lived in the world, and then you come to come to find Jesus as either a high school or an adult, it's very different because you. I feel like the church needs to do a better job of preparing you for this kind of walk you're going to encounter. Remember, when you're first saved, there's this fire that's on you. You're excited. This is something new. Mm -hmm. There's a change going on in my heart. But just like all things new, they tend to fade off. Mm -hmm. So how do you maintain that relationship with Christ when that 
newness wears off and life just gets to be, you know, hit its regular routine? Well, to me, I think I learned from um, Leviticus 6 all the way to chapter 9. And he talk, He starts telling Aaron about giving him instructions about the offerings, the offering system. From there, he begins to tell him, first, the offering has to be made for him. And then he can be able to um, make an offering for on behalf of the people. And so he says that this altar that is is built is like a, it's made by stone, natural stones. Um, it has a ramp, not st- not steps. And um, so basically you can't see his undergarments, I guess, as he goes to go make the sacrifice. But the crazy thing about the sac- the altar itself and the sacrifice, the Lord lights the fire from heaven. And he says, initially, it's my, it'll all light the, you supply the sacrifice and I'll light it, right? I'll start the fire. And he says, it's your job to make sure that that fire never goes out. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a picture of, of us and our life being a living sacrifice. Basically, what what happens for me as a believer when I feel like that stagnant or stale thing starts happening, I know it's time to throw something else on the altar to watch it burn because I know what 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 I've done. I get to a point where everything I'm doing is like the same. Then uh, I know something else in my life has to go. So whatever habit or whatever thing it is, it's got I got to throw it on the altar and watch it burn. And I feel like that live, being that living sacrifice, kind of like how Aaron was told to never let the fire go out. This part of the wood that I'd be throwing on would be my habits, a certain way of thinking. It could be um, the clothes I wear or wanting to have a certain vehicle or things, desires like that. You just throw them away and watch them burn, you know, and just and don't turn back to them. So I feel like that's kind of like how you keep everything fresh and new. And as far as like our church, we do a a class called Rooted. Unfortunately, not everybody goes to that class. And and the crazy thing is, I I'm a leader in Recovery Road, and and I used to always want to be. I used to want to have a message that reached every single person when I when I gave a message every Friday night. I'd want a message that went out. And unfortunately, I found out that not everybody is there to hear her message. Some people are there to get a paper sign for court or try. You know, whatever they like, they like a certain person or they're trying to hook up with somebody or whatever, you know, and yeah, so people come with all kinds of different motives. And so your message isn't always going to be received by everyone. Just for instance, today, the, our pastor of our church was given an altar call, man, shout out to pastor Bo. He's doing an amazing job. And, uh, and I noticed that it was church took like a lot normally, I guess about 10, 15 minutes running over. And he was trying to, he was trying to, um, how would I say, facilitate the spirit of not leaving. He wanted to keep, he wanted to just keep the the the, the presence of God there. And the crazy thing I noticed was there was there was so many people that I and and mostly newer people that I haven't really seen too often. And there was a couple, I guess, older people, whatever. But there was a whole lot of people leaving. I thought, man, church isn't over yet, you know, but. 
Um, I just saw <laughs> bro, when church is over, some folks, hey, I'm guilty of this too. As soon as that second worship comes, after the after the sermon's over, that worship song comes over, I'm like, babe, let's get the hell out of here, man. It's but, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> parking lot chaos, man. Yeah. Let's avoid it. Oh, yeah. For real. And, and that's, that, that's true, though. Folks do that. Yeah. So you just never, I mean, it's just not everybody's going to receive the message. And then everybody, so the crazy thing is, I don't think that everybody's nudged by the Holy Spirit. Some people are nudged by feelings, right? And so you get somebody in the right moment with the right song. And at, at the point in time, they're moved by the, I guess, by their feelings to go repent. But they let something at the altar get to them, right? They might be looking at some guy or something, you know, or or they might, they're thinking the enemies across from there. Or I used to date that girl before, or right? And they get up to the altar and then they, it's just like all goes out the door. It's just emotion, right? And then... So after church, they just go back to living life the way they lived, and they're like they're they're not worried about what are, what do I do with my life now that I gave it to Jesus. They're like, you know what? At the moment, I just felt like this crazy guilt, so I just I'm like, you know what? I don't want to smell like smell like hell smoke, you know. So, and and altar calls. I mean, in th- in my opinion, sure. When I see altar calls, it, it facilitates. Uh, you know, I, I understand it's a calling, but it's also like based on this message and what's in my heart at that time, it's an opportunity for me to go lay it down at the feet of the cross. Sure. And sometimes it's like an altar call goes on. I'm like, you know what? I'm just, that's just not my struggle right now. So I don't respond to it. Sure. You know, and some people who are like, Hey, your message, that, that message reached them. Yeah. They're like, you know what? You're talking directly to me. I'm going up there. Yeah. And so you're right. Not every, the message isn't always for everybody. Sure. But I'm going to tell you what message is. And this is the one that we're about to talk about on today's topic as we transition into the in the world, but not of it. given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as i am not of the world i do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one they are not of the world just as i am not of the world sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world so i have sent them into the world and for their sake i consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth and this is John 17, verse 14 through 19. So in today's topic, we will be discussing what it means to be in the world and not of it, and how we as Jesus followers are to handle ourselves in a world that functions apart from God. In John chapter 17, it's also known as the priestly prayer. And in this chapter, we see where Jesus is praying and interceding on behalf of himself, the apostles, and believers in the future. The chapter can be broken down into three main sections, Jesus and his father, Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus and his church. And when it comes to being in the world and not of it, remember that we as Christians are his followers. We are members of his kingdom. And when Jesus left, he knew that his followers would remain after him departing us. And I also want to mention that Jesus did one thing that was really crucial um, when he left, and that was he left 
us the word from his father in addition to the revelation not just his teachings mm. and i want to say a quote from charles spurgeon and it's and it's in one of his books the uh the complete works of charles spurgeon and i found this quote and it says see how the lord jesus himself takes all of his teachings from the father you never hear from him any boast about being the originator of profound thoughts no he just repeated to the, his disciples the words he had received from the Father. I have given unto them the words which thou hast given me. If Jesus acted thus, how much more must the messengers of God receive the word from the Lord's mouth and speak it as they receive it? In that second section of John chapter 17, where Jesus is saying, all right, I am leaving this world and you guys are still going to be left behind here. And I am praying that the Father delivers you from the evil one and keeps you safe from the evil one. Jesus is basically praying for their protection to his heavenly Father after he's advocated for himself. And I found that to be pretty interesting because Jesus already knew what was going to happen. And in chapter 17, he was basically, this is before he was, uh, he was betrayed and also sure. executed. Pray, upper room prayer, I feel like that was uh, right after the past... Uh... After the Passover feast, it seems to be like he obviously did it in front of them because somebody had to record it, right? Um, John, I mean, John's the only one who records his prayer, so it's not so everybody re, uh, says that the Lord's Prayer is um, our Father which art in heaven, but that's really the disciples' prayer. This is really Jesus's prayer right here in John chapter 17, where he's crying out to his Father, not only. Does he start off with, the, with on for his behalf, but then for those who will follow after him, right? And then mm -hmm. that's where our names are kind of inserted into that. So you could see that his prayer like goes on through eons in time, and your name is at the same place. And not only for those who were uh, believe that I have taught, but those afterwards who would believe them. So that's like kind of like where we fall in line. Jesus's prayer is really, really profound i feel like and he says this sanctify them in thy truth thy word is truth i mean you see what the armor of god is truth is the the i think that's the first thing is the taking on the belt of truth it holds the breastplate of righteousness up it takes truth i feel like most of us get stuck by emotional trauma um could be depression anxiety all that kind of stuff because we're believing a lie from the enemy but as soon as you apply the truth of god's word into your lie it changes that it changes that lie into what god really says about it and once you begin to understand what god really says about it chances are you're 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 not going to struggle with stuff like that um most of the time people who are struggling with anger anger depression bitterness things of that nature if you could ask them what does your prayer life look like or how much of the word are you reading the chances are that they're it's not going to be that great you know and mm -hmm. and that's like the sure sign of why they're struggling with defeat the enemy um brings in strongholds and uh what i what i discovered a stronghold is is somebody could put a book in your hand and and you hold on to the book and then three people come and try to pull it out, right? But and if if you let go of it, it wasn't really strong, a really firm grip. But if you had 
like a hydraulic press on there, like holding onto it, and the book starts pulling apart before your grip lets go. That's what that's what the enemy's stronghold is. We allow strongholds into our life by the lies of the enemy, and and what believe in the lie, right? Adam and Eve started uh, in the garden believing that. God was lying to them about eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He knows that in the day that you eat of it, you shall be like him, right? And that knowing both good and evil, which was, God wasn't trying to hold them back from, from, I guess, what Satan was trying to get them pinned into. He was trying to keep them innocent. He was trying to keep them from sin, right? So, and he was trying to keep them rewarded for doing right. So I feel like, uh, sanctifying them by that truth is i guess that's a that's a huge part of what uh being in the world but not of the world the truth is what sets us free and the truth is i guess the opening of the door to letting us into the um the kingdom so i guess i would like to say this what do you what would you guys say the world is being in the world but not of it what is the world Mm. Well, I believe that the world is is the system, right? Because I think we can look at it a couple ways. You can look at it as the world as being the created universe and everything that is in it. But then you can also look at it as the culture and belief systems of the world and the different societies within the world, which would come down to like the, the, the politicals, the politics. It could come down to the economy, education, the entertainment system, and then, of course, all the wars of the world. Hmm. So when he says be in the world and not of it we've already been told that you know we belong to him he's the good shepherd jesus is the good shepherd mm. we belong to him and not of this world and then i cannot remember where the scripture is but it also states that this world belongs to the deceiver to the satan there's there's a couple components here and i think we can layer that out and mike i know you wanted to talk about something in terms of who the world belongs to or setting up the context for us I think the uh, it talks about uh, in the I think most of the uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about the temptation of uh, the devil and Jesus in the desert, and um, he tells him all these have been given to me, and you and uh, and I will give them to you if you bow down to me. And Jesus never refutes the fact that. They were given to him. Yeah, he's the prince of this world. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's where it tells us that he's uh, got dominion of the earth. There's a, it's called the seven, seven mountains. I think the seven mountains mandate seven areas, which uh, the movement believe control society, which they're, which they seek to control our family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's basically what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that exactly like that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You just put it in a nutshell. You just put it in terms of mountains, but I mean that those were those are all part all part of our uh, as human beings. Those are all part of thriving societies. So uh, after the flood, so uh, everybody, I I hope everybody's familiar with Genesis and uh, chapter six and uh, and chapter seven and chapter eight. And the things that happened after that, the table of nations, it talks about Nimrod was, uh, he was, uh, in the land of Shinar and he was, uh, building cities. And if you read the book Jubilees, it talks about him 
wanting to build his tower all the way up to heaven to march against God himself. First, he was in God's favor, and then he uh, turned against God and wanted to he wanted to uh, go into a portal, march an army into heaven, and take God on uh, like uh, physically. And I think that from from his system, God shut all that down. But yet, I guess the remnants of it all, uh, God scram scrambled their language up. And from his system, that's where the world came in from. Something that was opposed to what God had said. Something that was, it was a lie that was given to mankind that they could be like gods, wanting to be equal with God, things of that nature. So I think Jesus tells us in the New Testament that we could be seated in heavenly places in him. Not so much that we have our own seat, but that we have his seat with him, right? It's kind of like he he opens up a door for us to be where he is, where he's at, it, with him, in him, part of him. And so um, I think that mankind was, was uh, how would I say, power struggling to try to get to that ahead of time, ahead of God's plan. God wanted it in a different way than man would want it. Man wanted to take it by force, but God wanted to take it by love. That's I feel like that's the, the opposing system is the Nimrod's Babylonian system that's been around since the days of Noah, after right after the days of Noah. Yeah, and going back to that state, statement, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. These systems have been in place since the dawn of man and still continue to operate. Now, let's. I, I definitely want to take this back because when we're saying be of in the world but not of it do you think that that means hey we're not to engage with anything of the world and we're just supposed to reject all of these systems of economies such as politics uh education entertainment the money system mm. as christians i don't think we are no. we're supposed to be part of it i feel like there's a tendency once we get saved and we're part of the church that we tend to want to close the doors of the church and lock ourselves in there as one community when that is not the great com the call of the great commission, right? You see what I'm so, saying? What what uh, passage is this, Mike? Uh, when when uh, Jesus tells uh, the Pharisees uh, and, and, uh, that um, when they were trying to trap him and one of those uh, uh, standoffs that they were having about money, right? And he said, "Give me a a coin." And he's like, Who's "Give Caesar what's due to Caesar. Yeah, give God what's due to God." Yeah. It is uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22? Yeah, it's uh, 15, 15 through 22. Um, they bring him a denarius, which had the head of the emperor on it. Whose image is on this coin, Jesus asks. Whose inscription? They uh, whose inscription? They reply, it's Caesar's. And Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. To me, that passage is a key point of being in the world but not of the world we give the world what is the world's right mm -hmm. we, basically what jesus is saying is is be uh an up abiding citizen you know do be respectful do the things that are are accustomed do the things but give god what is his mm -hmm. and what is his right what is god's and that's where we we were different from people in the world live and what we live and i i think we all come to a point in our lives where things don't matter Right. Mm -hmm. as, as I'm getting older in my faith, as I'm getting older with my walk, some of the things that I grasp on so tightly in my identity and, and who I am and the things that 
I thought were important, it doesn't matter to me anymore. True. Because true. the the over at the end of everything, what matters most is making it to to heaven and hearing those words, right? Well done, my uh, good and faithful, good servant. and faithful servant. And we don't want to hear the other ones, right? Where everybody always Apart from me for I didn't know scary, you. <laughs> the scariest verse in the Bible or whatever, right? When people say, but so when you when you want to be in the world but not of the world, I think what Jesus says right there uh, about that coin, it, it's a good starting point to kind of discovery, discovering what that really means. Because look, if I have to pay my taxes, I'm going to pay my taxes. I have to pay my taxes. If yeah. I have to go to work every day to provide for my family, I have to go to work every day. But work is not that important to me if, if it interrupts my faith. Yeah. Right. My faith, because then I have faith that God's always going to provide. God's always going to take care of me. So I go where I'm called. Um, I do what is is I do what God asked me to do before I do anything else. If I lose my job, I lose my job. It's it's not the end of the world for me. You it know? can feel like the end of the world if you well, lose you your job. Let it, for real. But, you, but if you let it, if you let it, yeah, yeah. If you let it, because that this is what the world says that um, I have to. Th- th- this is the structure they set up, but that's not God. God's above that too. You know, God's above all that. So, it, being in the world, give, give, give what in the world is what is due to theirs, and give God yeah. what's due to Him. As you're operating in that economy. Now, Mike, as we're going through the dab and we're going from Genesis to Numbers, because we're currently in Numbers right now, what I've observed and something that's caught my eye is the whole story is of God saying, I'm calling my people to be set apart. Mm-hmm. We're looking from the call of Abraham, mm-hmm. He's calling them out of Babylon. The, the system that Mike just explained is is all set up in a way that you know it's you're looking one ruler is the ruler of the nations they have their ways there was a lot of i mean we're looking at an ancient world so a lot of violence there's a bunch of different gods people are sacrificing there is lawlessness Mm -hmm. with some organization in there so we're seeing all of these systems that are in place and god is saying you know what i want to call these people to be set apart unto me and then he starts you know as he calls his people First, he was the king. He was the one that that everybody was following with. He was the one who gave direction. Then they didn't want that. So then they wanted kings, rulers over them, who were men, because that's what the world had. Yeah, everybody else had a king for them. And and so God, basically, this, this story is about God telling us and calling us to be set apart. In Jeremiah chapter 29, it talks about, I think this is a good uh, comparison Jeremiah, it's a, it's, it's titled actually 29 one. Now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah, the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother and the high officials, the leaders of Judah, Jerusalem, and the craftsmen, the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them, and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and fathers and father's sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons 
and give your daughters to husbands so that they may give birth to sons and daughters and grow in numbers there and do not decrease. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord in its behalf. For in its prosperity, you will prosper. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets who are in your midst or your diviners or diviners deceive you and do not listen to their interpretations of your dreams, which you dream for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them declares the Lord. In verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. When the 70 years have been completed for, for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring back, bring you back to this place for I know the plans that I have for you. Right? So it's pretty crazy to think about that God wanted them to be in Babylon. They It was their sin that caused them to lose the land. But yet, as they went into land, into the land, it's like he gave them a good spanking. I kind of see it like that. <laughs> and then afterwards, he came to talk to them about what their spanking was about. Then he told them, as I'm taking you out of this land, I'm taking you into Babylon. And as you stay in Babylon... I don't want you guys to get uh, to always think that you're going to head. You're going to add them going back to where you came from because you're not. You're going to stay there. And I want you to increase in numbers. I want you to build, plant, like take part of the of the place you're in. But yet, as you take part of the place you in, you're in, you have different dietary laws. You're 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 you have different ways to worship. You have different ways of seeing things. So the same people that are, you are among, you're not going to be infiltrated into their their network of thinking you're going to stay in your own way of thinking but in that own way of thinking doesn't mean that you separate out of that city to be like a different sect you're going to be right smack dab in the middle of them being an example of what a set apart called apart people looks like in my eyes well said what he said (laughs) (laughs) well true because we are true we we our mission is to represent the gospel in the world. Sure. Not to be our own tribe and right. apart from them. And that goes back to what I was saying is God is the history of the Bible. We just see God calling us to be set apart. And every time we get intertwined with the world systems, what happens? There's, here he goes. He gives us a spanking for that, right? Sure. He gave the Jews that. And then even in our own personal lives, you know that to be true. Sure. I mean, just think of it. When you, if you are a Christian and you backslide, what happens? What does that process look like? One minute, you're you're praising Jesus, you're all in love, you're in the worship, you're hanging around a bunch of Christians. But when that sin creeps in your life and you start to backslide, you start to isolate yourself, and then you start going. What? Let's say your your issue was drinking. Okay, that was your sin. That was your thing. You start isolating yourself. You start drinking. You start changing the people you're around. You start going to the places where the drinks are. You start clubbing local bars. And I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with that. But if you, if your sin or your struggle was alcohol and that's what brought you down, I'm not talking about the casual person who can go to a bar, have a drink or two and not struggle with that and have to have to get super drunk. What I'm talking about is this was something that was your issue. Habitual. Habitual. Cyclical. Well, yeah. I, I think this, uh, to, to, to continue what you were saying, it, you talk about being in the world, but not of this world. And if we allow, allow ourselves to partake in that type of uh, 
uh, situation of being in the bar or just having a couple of drinks and we're okay with that. I think like that really negates the purpose of you not being in the world because there has to be a difference. There, there has to, you, you have to be set apart, right? What does Jesus say? We have to be holy, right? What does holy mean? It means to be set apart from, from the others, from, from be, because when we're called, we're called to be holy. So we have to be set apart. And this is one of the things that, um, that I struggled with for a long time at, at our old church where I used to feel like that was the right thing. Like, oh, I could just, I, I could do that and be okay with that even though yeah yeah for me it was the big sin it was the big mm-hmm. downfall of who I who I was back then even if I was just the guy the casual drinker have wine at dinner or whatever it was and I was going I went to the bar to watch the football game and I had a beer with me and now it's that, that one beer is the only beer I had like cuz it's not a problem right mm-hmm. but what if uh, someone saw me from somebody at church see me at the bar with just that one beer and their perspective is that guy follows God he loves God but he's having a beer and that's okay now I'm making it okay for them and maybe their struggle is alcohol and just because they seen that okay they, okay they fall down that and now I just drug him without even knowingly not even knowing that who was around right not even knowing that somebody was watching me just have one beer because I could handle my drinking, but I, they saw that. And now I just ruined their lives off of that one action. So I believe after everything I've been through, after everything I've, I've learned in my life, for me, I could say smoking weed, right? I I have no desire whatsoever Mm -hmm. smoking weed. That was something you struggled with though, right? Yeah. But if I, if, if I were to say, oh, I just do it just to help me sleep at night, you know, I'll, I'll take a hit or whatever. And to you, that's 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 different that's a different struggle than than for me for doing sure, it right for sure, for so sure. but if 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 you if i were to put it in the context of us not knowing each other and and you looked up to me because i was uh you know a hardcore christian and you're like man i want to i'm i'm in this rut and i'm just uh, he seems to have it all together but he smokes and that's just another that's just the hook that the devil keeps in you to keep you down, right? Okay. So I think it's very um it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Now, now let me just let me just chime in here on that because here's what I would say if if you seeing me cause you to stumble, then there's something wrong with you as well. Because you sure. know what? You should be focused on your word and not focus on what I'm doing. Because the fruit that I bear <laughs> is different. Well, right? I mean, if that's not my problem, because I mean we gotta be careful in saying that because here's an example that I would use. Okay. You can look at the one that everybody likes to use who drinks. They'll talk about Jesus turning water into wine. Mm-hmm. What was he doing at that party? Well, but but it, it, and I think sure. the intentions, the intentions matter because I do hear what you're saying. If if you if you're somebody who struggles with that and you go around there, you could be tempted to fall. At at a, but there's also people who don't. So we have to be very careful about taking what our experiences are. And transposing that onto somebody else's, that, that's where it becomes a slippery slope. Because at the end of the day, we have to know ourselves. Right. And and yes, and I think to me, when I think the context of the of what you were saying, like causing your brother to fall, that would be like me knowing that you struggle with drinking and me saying, Mike, why don't you come with me to the bar? Man, hey, bro, come on, man, for all time's sake, just take one. Free UFC fight, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm actively 
I'm actively engaged in your downfall, mm -hmm. not just observing, but I'm like, I'm, I'm being that influence on you instead of me saying, you know what, we're hanging out together. Hey, homie, you don't feel good going there. Let's not go there. Let's go watch it at somebody's house. Right. If they have a beer, it doesn't matter on them. But you know what, if that's an area where you're going to fall and stumble, I don't want to be part of that. Yeah. You see, so I think there's some context that needs to be no, added. No, for sure. But, it, but sure, there's, there's, I, I'm not saying there's anything against if. People, if, some people they, take they, it that way if, for sure i mean if they you know it, it is what it is so let me be clear if if you can if you're the guy that and they have a wine uh, a glass of wine or well i'm not i'm not saying that's wrong that's not me for that's not for me for me mm -hmm. but in what i'm saying is when when you when you decide to elevate your walk with christ when you decide to be the light in the world mm -hmm. Meaning for me, this is my own perspective. This is how what I feel in my spirit is when you are called to be holy, to be set apart, those are the things that you have to walk away from. Those are the things yes. that you have to change, even because you gotta understand the enemy, you it may not be an issue for you, like I, I said earlier, but the enemy will use that to take some to to negate the things around you and to keep you from the actual growth that you are trying to accomplish with which in your walk in Christ. Now, mm -hmm. uh, how far and how deep you want to go, that's all that's that's every individual. You know, God God judges us alone. Yeah. I'm not saying this is how you're supposed to do it. This is what you're supposed to do. All I'm saying that if you if you strive to be in the world but not of the world, you I, I, I have you have to uh and I think um I we I think we were talking about this on our dab group uh, a couple weeks ago or maybe last week I don't remember but we we're talking about how uh, Moses had to wear a veil over his face because he just got a glimpse of of God and his he was uh, glowing his face was glowing right and he was set apart he had to be set apart because people uh, people were seeing him and they were like freaking out like. You know, so it, to in order to um, separate himself from all that, he had to wear a veil on his face. But the point is, is when you get a glimpse of God in your life, you're gonna have a glow about you. Yes, you right? are different. And and he, when when you if you notice when he went into the to uh, the tent to pray, what did everybody else do? They stood at their tent. Um, they stood outside of their tent. Yeah, while he went in, because they saw him doing. He wasn't doing what everybody else was. He was set apart, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, for me, especially now that we're like you know we're past we passed all that, and that was pretty rich in the Old Testament, uh, going through the DAB and stuff. For me, I was like, I really felt called to to be more like Moses. To to I want to strive one day to see to get a glimpse of of God to get a glimpse of that to where when wherever I'm at that that glow is gonna come off of me yeah right and to like to me that's being holy that's being set apart so yeah I mean if you if you if you wanna do your life the way you do and and you have you know you don't have struggles with certain things like I said man I I'm not the one to judge anybody yeah. I I probably carry more baggage. Uh, and I've done, uh, you know, I've I've lived a crazy lifestyle, so I, I I'm the last person to judge anybody. Yeah, and you have to you have to know where you stand on these things, and that's what it means to be set apart. You have to know, in addition to to the, your own struggles and the own your own leanings, mm -hmm. because when God calls you out of it, sometimes He brings you back so that way you can pull others out of it. 
right? It's like the lifting up. And that's where you see some people, for example, Recovery Road. Mm. Who is it taught by? Addicts. And, and, yeah. Addicts. Right? And that was because you struggled with that. And God's using your sin to reach out and call the other folks out of there. And because you're part of a Recovery Road, if somebody from Recovery Road was to see you in a place that was like... A, less than holy? Less than holy. <laughs> That, yes. that that would be a problem. Same for a pastor. So there's there's certain areas in our life, roles and responsibilities, where we do have to carry ourselves. Yes, there's account. There's a different levels of accountability. But I would like to, us to take this back to looking at like the world hating us as Christians. So let me just start by reading John 15, 18 through 21, where it says, "If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world." The world would love you as its own, key part, as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Okay, as a Christian, and even if you're listening to this and, and, and you're just starting to, to try to ask the question of, do I believe in Jesus? Do I believe in this whole Christianity thing? Just know, when you, when you walk with the Lord, there's no guarantee that it's going to be an easy life. You are going to experience the troubles of the world at, at some point in time, persecution. And we're starting to see the world become more and more hostile towards Christians, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, Christianity tends to be the media's... Uh, punching bag. Punching bag, yeah. yeah. They don't pick on a lot of other religions. Nope. None of that. It's usually Christianity. Basically, what I'm trying to say is that it's not always going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of us, don't be deceived by some of these pastors out there telling you that you know, your life is always supposed to be blessed. God's going to remove every every single barrier out of your life. You will not experience the hardships of life. You know what? There is going. This is going to happen to you just as a result of you being called unto Jesus. And if you are, if if a pastor or someone ever tells you that, uh, change churches. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because they're not speaking out of the Bible. Because uh, G uh, Jesus does say that it's going to rain. On the good and the evil, yeah, it rains on the good and the bad, right? So, just because we're we're saved, we're still in this world, right? Just because we're uh, we have uh, anointing on us or whatever the case may be, guess what? We still get sick. Uh, someone in our family still dies. Our dog still runs away. You know, God doesn't uh, not allow things to happen. We still get we run a red light. We'll get a ticket. You know, like mm -hmm. we're not that. But the one thing that does separate us is our attitudes toward everything, right? Everything is going to be okay because we know where we're going. We know where our family's going. We know the people that we love, that we pray for. We see miracles. We see prayer happen. We see things um, that, the, that the world doesn't see. So we see it from a different perspective, True. right? If someone's sitting there telling you, uh, and I go back to the prosperity uh, preachers, you know, telling you, you know, give all your money and then God's going to, quadruple it you know what people some people Let this see yeah some people don't um don't do well with finances some people don't mm -hmm. would not be good with money 
it doesn't mean like God's going to not bless you with that, but there's a lesson. You have to start learning how to be good with money before God blesses you with money. Yeah, stewardship. Right? Yeah, exactly. Stewardship. You should know. I think that uh, it says in Matthew 7 about the, the two people who built their houses, right? Whoever listens to these words, and it's like I, I liken it to a man who built his house on the rock. Mm. And comparing that to a person who built their house on sand, when the winds and the storms came, um, that the, the great was the storms and great was the winds that beat on the house. But the guy who was built on the rock, he was his house stood. And the guy whose house was built on the sand, his fell down. And even though both people are both people, one person was listening to the to the words of Jesus and they built their life around those words. All those still those same trials and troubles still happened to him that happened to the other guy. So it's just that his house ended up standing afterwards. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll go ahead and finish off the episode. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from this world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Hmm. In this section of the podcast, I want us to talk about, fellas, what are some of the warnings or consequences of walking in the world for the believer? I believe that one of the most challenging aspects of holding a Christian worldview is that Christianity runs countercultural to the mainstream norms. Um, this is not to say that we're just against everything in our society. We're just called to be set apart from it, as we've already discussed. Though I'm seeing a trend here in the churches, so I want to talk specifically about churches in this in this part. I'm seeing this trend where churches are basically starting to copy culture to try to stay relevant. Yep, and and there, uh, I'm gonna say this. This may not be a very popular thing to say, but um, I don't know if you guys seen or heard that video of Andy Stanley accepting homosexuality. I, I did see something on YouTube about that. that. That's a that's a tough subject to touch on because that goes with what you just said. It does. The churches they're trying to conform to a group, right? Mm. Mike's over here just bringing the heat, <laughs> right? Mike just wanted to jump right into the frying pan. Yeah, because it, it's it's important. Like we're losing our values, and the scary thing is, is you get someone like Andy Stanley, T.D. Jakes, who brought on. Uh, a, trans, a transgender person into the church to congratulate them and to like parade them in the in his church and like all this stuff we're accepting the culture mm. right so okay. i mean and these so are, i guess and these are there. these are the people Sorry. that have a platform not just a platform in their city but a platform nationwide because and this is what the world when you go on the youtube and you type in christian td jakes anley stanley all those guys pop up first and it's corrupting the the value and misleading yeah. people. Well, see, from the beginning. I, I value like I'm a big Andy Stanley fan. I, I'm since I became a Christian, 
I listen to a lot of his sermons, though I've checked out of them lately. Here's the thing when it comes to, and I don't care if you plug in gay, transsexual, alcoholic, drug uh, addict, or whatever. Yeah, it's okay? all. Okay, I, I, th I think the Bible is pretty clear about the stance on that. Here's the thing that, as a culture, that we're going to have to work through is that they're out there, okay? And do I believe that we should have gay pastors and leaders in the ministry? No, I don't. And here's mm. the reason why. We're going to stick to the Word. We're always going to go back to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that it is a sin and it is not natural. However, the person is no different than any of the rest of us. So if I am living a lifestyle of sin, and you can plug in, let, let's, let's take gay out of there and let's plug in your gangbanger. Can you be a gangbanger and a pastor living the gangbanging lifestyle, a drug dealing lifestyle, and still consider yourself a pastor? Right. No, that's not appropriate. But is it appropriate to invite them into the church and to love on them and to walk with them? Yes, I do believe that. Sure. And I think the church is trying to wrestle with that, as is everybody else, because the media has made that you know, a, a part of the agenda. And, and you can't even have this type of conversation in our society because you get labeled, mm -hmm. right? If you say anything that's, uh, I want to say, if you disagree with them mm -hmm. or that's countercultural, nobody wants to be labeled a bigot, a racist. And you're like, hey, I just disagree with you. It doesn't mean that I hate you. What's true is true regardless of what context you put it in. Okay, so when 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 you say I love somebody and I disagree with your lifestyle, that should not be something that's uncommon to you. You do that in your own family. Yeah. Do you agree with everything your father, mother, sister, brother, uncle? Do you agree with all of their lifestyle choices? No, 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 you don't. But do you love them anyways? Sure. You do. You see what I'm saying? So that's where I stand on this. But I think that going back to what I was saying, that trend, and you, and you do you did bring up a good topic. And and you know what? In our podcast, I don't want us ever to stray away from have, being able to step in and talk about the stuff of the culture, sure. even if that costs us listeners, okay? Right. If you in the church are doing that so that way you can have more, more butts in chairs and just trying to become culturally irrelevant as opposed to preaching, teaching, discipling, you know, doing everything to further the kingdom of heaven, then you need to reevaluate what you're doing that for, right? This isn't a popularity contest. And we already know, we already know that there's going to be a great falling away and there's going to be a great coming. But I think that culture has gotten to the point in most recent years where it is challenging for a Christian to be able to walk in their faith without being ostracized for it. And also it's challenging for you to communicate your values without being labeled a bigot or some kind of hardcore Republican or uh, xenophobe, whatever phobe that's out there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a very challenging thing for us to, to, to deal with. And for me, when I see pastors who do that, I check out, I, I tend, there's so there's too many good pastors out there to listen to. So I'm not going to listen to, I'm just not going to listen to you. Right. I'm not going to, be part of what you're doing because it's wrong. Now, do I believe that pastors make mistakes? I do. But you can definitely tell when they fall in line in the agenda. Right. And, and I heard... The wokeness. The wokeness. Well, Romans chapter 1 talks about the wrath of God is poured out against mankind. You're not thank you're, You don't worship him as who he is or you're not thankful, then he gives you over to your own sins. Mm -hmm. And when he gives you over, that's when people... I would just say this. If you ever look at a 
bracelet that says gay pride it's kind of like it says it all in it it says it the it's they're prideful they want to do what they want to do and they don't want to humble themselves before a holy god so the pride of them is what's holding them back from getting to god they don't want to do things god's way so they they're prideful about it and then they want to like have parades and everything about how prideful they are for it and I'm not saying that they're any worse than anybody else sinning. I'm just saying I'm not trying to run around and and say what sin's worse than any other sin. But I'm just saying if the if they understood that the thing that they're so proud of is the thing that's holding them back from a holy God, I think I think that they would be. I guess their mind would be opened up and they'd be able to see the light of Christ if they. But the pride, they have to put the pride down, right? Yeah. And it's all in that gay pride. It's it's pride, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. It's in the I, name of itself. I have a lot, lot of lot of people in the family that struggle with that. And you, you know what? I'm praying. Somewhere there was a, a door open and a, a door got open and it usually comes down through the bloodlines. And for some reason... Nobody ever closed that door. So they it, it attacks certain women, certain people, it, but families, it attacks. And so, um, it, but it has a legal right. I just want to say this, guys, that you have authority over the devil. If you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, the authority of Christ is on your side. So you have authority to close doors. You have authority to to help your family to repent and ask God to forgive them and take back what the enemy has taken. Close them stinking doors, man. That's a door got open, whether it's crack cocaine or alcohol or whatever it is. If it's pornography, somewhere a door got open. Somebody was believing the lie over the truth. And when they did, they were deceived into a deception that has their minds blinded the end the god of this world has their mind blinded and unless they would see the light of the truth right so the only that we can be truth tellers and truth livers but we have to be praying for people for people whose door the door was opened on because the enemy definitely has a legal right to be there so understand that that when the enemy is in somebody's life through a stronghold of any kind it's because a door's open and somebody needs to be praying for that person. You know, we mm-hmm. could, I did a study uh, at the men's breakfast a couple of weeks ago, uh, a couple of Saturdays back. And uh, it was talking about praying and it was a I, I, Isaiah chapter six. And it was a, talking about how the seraphims, how they, they look at each other and chant. Holy, 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 right. Is is the Lord is the Lord the Lord of hosts, right? The whole earth is full of his glory. And the crazy thing about that is when you study that out, they're not telling the Lord that. They're telling it to each other. They chant back and forth to each other. And it's pretty crazy that when you begin to see a holy, just a dynamic, just a unbearable God that you look at and you're you're frozen the way Isaiah was. All you can do is talk about how holy he is, and it's hard to talk about anything else than that, right? So we can we can talk about everybody's sin and every other thing, but when we we get to see a glimpse of the light of God, it should be the thing we're talking about most. Yeah. And maybe we should be praying for those people more than 
than um uh, than talking about them. them. Yeah, and that and that's the area where I struggle as well. Like, okay, so you know what we dis we disagree with your lifestyle, sure. Right, but you know what I choose. I'm gonna be the type of believer who chooses to say, you know what, I don't dis I, I disagree with you in that area, but I choose to love you. Sure. I don't care whatever. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're trans. I don't care if you're a crackhead. I don't care if you're a drug dealer, a gangbanger, an adult. What if they're taking your money? Well, hey, then we got a problem. <laughs> don't take my money. I gotta get my money. They're a thief and a liar. <laughs> <laughs> they go back to. They both sure. go hand in hand. Somebody once said. For sure. You can't be a thief without being a liar because sure. you have to lie to cover up the thief. But at the same time, it's okay. My job is to be a reflection of Jesus. Okay, it's not to sit there and condemn you at every corner and beat you over the head with the Bible. Sure. That's not how you even you're that's how never, you convert by doing that. You're never going to win them over. You're never going to win anybody over. But you know what? That time when you were struggling with whatever it was, you know what? And I could just be the shoulder for you to cry on and ear to listen to you and somebody to provide you some words of encouragement from mm. the word of God. Hey, I'll take that. And you know what? I've been able to pray over some of my friends who are gay. Sure. And it's okay. They allow me to do this. It's not like they're anti-God and they hate everything. It's just a propensity to be attracted to the other, uh, to the same sex. Sure. And a That's lot, it. Yeah. A lot of times something happened when they're children, man. It could be. It could be. It was a, It was some door was open. It's crazy. But here, here's what I think. The fruits of the spirit, the spirit have to be on display in us believers. And it doesn't matter if we're in a restaurant or we're in a parking lot. Like some people fight over trying to find a parking space up front. So I once I once heard, heard this this story this all of our wives. Yeah. <laughs> this story about these believers who went out to eat one night uh, after a recovery road class and and a certain waitress uh, accidentally spilled some coffee on one of them's jeans, you know? And and you know the sister got all irate about it. And there was a brother who was looking at the situation through love and he said sis were you ever high did you ever get high if you're if you're saying that this woman shouldn't be high at work did you at when you're in the days when you were ever high mm -hmm. did you ever go to work did you ever go to a job if you have grace on that woman right the same way god had grace on you maybe she would want to change her lifestyle and be like, what is different about that person? Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so, so, um, knowing this whole situation and the brother who was looking at the situation with love still gave the 20% tip still. Right. <laughs> Even though somebody else tried to take it off the table or whatever, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh -uh. Don't, no, no, they don't get nothing. Was that Lisa? That's good. <laughs> oh no. Lisa's always trying to gangbang. He's always trying to bang with people. <laughs> Why? Calling people out on the show. This is a story I heard. I know the names are changed to protect the innocent. All right. I digress. So, Let's get back to no, it. I just, I just say that because I love Lisa. She knows that. She's, I'm always messing with her. So let's just talk. We just talked a little bit about sexuality. So, so on top of that, though, the, the culture, the culture's view on sexuality. This is an area where it's difficult for people to escape out of because, you know, if you've been alive for some time, you've watched even on TV, even in Disney. videos, Disney even, mm -hmm. society has gotten more sexually free. Yeah. All right. And, and the temptations that attack you as a man, I'm speaking from this as a man. Sure. You know, when you can't walk down the street without seeing booty hanging out all over the place, right. that's difficult because I don't care who you are, or how holy you are. 
you're gonna look, but what what you decide to do with the thoughts, though, that's a different story. Right. But you know what? When because because we're visual, we're looking at somebody, and sex is all over the place. You see that? I mean, I was watching a video on um on YouTube, and and I follow these guys who are in the gym. They do workout videos, and there's this girl who's over there in the gym who's putting this dude on blast for just looking at her. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and and yeah, there are some creeps in the gym. And Let she, she probably got the tightest, but she bought them the least amount of outfit exactly she could possibly find exactly. And, and then she wants to be complaining that somebody's looking at her, right? Yeah, and but that's the part of the thing. Like, there's so everything is hyper sexualized in the culture now. As Christians, we're we understand that that is a door that opens sure. up to, that leads to sin. Right, and as a matter of fact, sexual sin is taking down nations. Yeah, right. It's destroyed nations. So don't think that you're above being tempted, even if you are a Christian. Mm -hmm. So society says it's David. okay for you to I, have I'm multiple. Yeah, King um, David. King David. Yeah. So when society says it's okay, be sexually free. God says, control yourself. Be disciplined with your mm -hmm. body. And we have to balance that. So when we're talking about being in the world or not of it is even though you're faced with sexual sin all around you, you have to find your strength in the Lord, pray about it, and keep that armor on you so that way it does not come into you. Sure. It's, it's one thing. Remember when we were, you sent me this video on intrusive thoughts. Yeah. It's one thing when you're walking down the street and you see a hot chick or you're in the gym and you see a hot chick who's sitting there. And it's one thing to say for your mind to naturally go wow, she's good looking, or oh my gosh, that booty. But it's one thing to dwell on that. It's another thing to say, you know what, I'm going to yeah. capture that thought, hold it captive, and let that go, and then go about my business. Yeah. Right? You have to be aware of that and, and not allow yourself to give into the temptations as well as the, the, the norms of sexuality in today's society. Sure. Yeah, paying attention to what time they would go. Dr. Dobson, I once heard on a Focus on the Family um, program, said this, the moment that you start getting ready for them in the mirror and into your you 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 imagine what that they're gonna see you in this certain outfit, the affair has already started in your mind. Ooh. So stay away from Ooh. that. Stay away from that point, man, because <laughs> that's that's where that's where that's where you gotta stay away from getting ready for anybody else but your wife, right? Getting ready for anyone yep. else but God. And walking in the fear of the Lord, right? One of the seven spirits of God, the fear of the Lord is begin the beginning of will wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But the fear of God is also reverence, walking in reverence and being kind of afraid that the holy God is going to see what I'm doing, you know, when, when I, where I'm at. It's like having a GoPro on the top of your head and the feed goes straight to him. You know, he's seeing everything we're doing, everything we're thinking, so I think the best thing is if you don't know how to battle it out, just don't even look that way, man. Just... The Joseph principle. Yeah. Run. <laughs> Forest. <laughs> yes. Well, I want to talk about living for money as also something that, that we're seeing being an issue in the church as well as in our personal lives. I've been tempted by looking at some of my social media feeds where I see these influencers who are talking about lavish lifestyles and 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 sometimes it makes me envious. I'm like, man, I wish I had it like that. And I think as believers, what we're to walk, what we are to do is learn to be good stewards. We don't have to give in to that. And being a good steward for you could also be in success. Mm -hmm. Learning how to manage your money, learning how to submit your money to God, and learning how to embrace a level of success that doesn't look like the world. I mean, you can own a business and be a successful Christian. You can 
run a record company and be a successful Christian, you don't have to fall into the lies that society tells you about finances and money and the allure of money. You don't have to be a poor Christian. You don't have to be a poor Christian either. <laughs> Just give all your money right now, everything yeah. you have. Yeah. No, there, there's a good book that my wife read. I didn't read it, but she, uh, she was giving me um, updates on uh, as she was going through the, the low lights. No, no, <laughs> no. She was reading um, the book from the guy that the owner of Hobby Lobby. Oh, okay. right. He wrote a book, and you could buy his book. I, um, if if you if you ever have any. Uh, uh, interest in money or business or whatever this is a great book because he takes you through his journey of what he what he started what it became and what it is Mm -hmm. right and then he talks about a lot of things that he invests into his um into the managers at his stores right and like he has this whole thing he does everything counterculture when it comes to a business owner he does everything that they tell them not to do uh that the the yeah like look after your employees instead of taking all the money for yourself yeah Yep, yep. And so he 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 does all this, right? And you see uh there was an article that came out on him where he was talking about um I don't know if he did or he didn't. Yeah, leadership not by the book. That's the name of the book uh by David Green with uh, Bill High. There was an article that came out where he was talking about he was going to sell uh his ownership to his employees because wow. he was in a heart position where he was allowing the money and everything to get to him. Um, and I, I just read half the article. I didn't read it all, so I don't know what transpired afterwards, but after what he was going through. Uh, but I think we are to be good stewardships of of our money, right? We're supposed to, with, at least for me, I always have to keep in mind that it's not mine, right? Like I'm just the vessel in between. Like, it, yeah, it is a way to provide and God provides and God gives and everything else. But when you have uh, that money and you want to invest it or whatever you want to do. I think it also it, like you, this ties into everything that we've been talking about. You can even go back to the sexuality part of it, right? Mm-hmm. As it, it is a part of our lives, right? We, we're married. We, we, um, you know, we have relations with our wives and everything. And, and I believe that the, the more that you shut that door, the more that you hold thoughts captive, the more that you're a good steward, mm-hmm. And faithful to your wife. I was explaining to uh, my daughter the difference uh, when, when Jesus was talking about when you look at a woman lustfully that that you had committed adultery, you have committed adultery, right? So it's just the look. So when you are able to uh, be a good steward of your eyes, be a good steward of the thoughts that come into your mind and hold them captive, right? And give mm-hmm. them to God. When you're a good steward with your money, when when you put all of that together, your your relationship with your wife gets better, right? Your yeah. your money uh becomes uh you know like you never go without. Like God the blessings just keep going and God will bless you in in all of the, of the areas of your life when you allow him to get into those areas of your life, right? Yep. And it's just um it's just not the the sex or the money, it's everything. Every part of your walk if you allow God to be in in your uh in you uh, I I look across the table at at Michael where I see when I first met him right he was doing all these uh odd end side jobs working literally working 20 hours a day I, like I don't even know how hey, he Mike? was yeah I'm not, I'm not lying <laughs> or exaggerating this when I, when I when I was when I got laid off he uh and I was out of work for a couple of weeks he he uh, bless me with the job to, to help me, you know, keep up with the bills and stuff. So, 
Um, I seen firsthand what this guy does or what he did. But when I seen him grow and where he's at now, where God has placed him, like God has blessed him mm-hmm. to be in a position where he's like, I don't want to throw his, his personal stuff out there, but he's blessed in, in the position that he's in. It, it goes along with just allowing God to take advantage of and get, uh, take over everything, like every every aspect of your life, just to put God first in it. Yeah, you know, and and that doesn't have limitations. You know, like be be honest with yourself. What do you struggle with? What what are, what are you struggling with? Lust? Are are you struggling with spending money? Are you struggling with this and that? And why you're crying out to God? Why I don't have this? Why I don't have that? Cigarettes. Cigarettes. You know, <laughs> you know, anything like any, any, anything that holds you captive. Yeah. Is what you should be given to God. True. What does that look like for us when we're saying, all right, the world does this. I don't want to be like the world. So I'm going to do it differently. And that goes back to the whole thing of us talking about being set apart. And just, I agree with everything you just said, Mike, that's that, those are the practical steps of not being in the world of was what you just talked about. And let's talk about work real quick, and then let's move on to the next one. There is no difference in the life of a Christian between personal and work. We carry ourselves the same. Right. Right? Everything, to me, is anchored in my relationship with Jesus, and that's what sets me apart. When I'm at work, I'm trying to think of, all right, Lord, how can I pray over my staff? How can I pray over the success of what we're doing? It doesn't matter to me whether somebody believes in you or not. Lord, I know that that you are with me, Lord, and I'm going to pray for the success of everything that's going on. I'm going to carry myself in a way that, that, that helps me stand apart. And you know when you're doing things differently, because you know what? People see that in you when you're set apart. They see that, hey, how come you're not over here cussing, like, cussing up a storm like everybody else? How come you're never at the after-hours party drinking with the rest of us? How are you so disciplined in what you do? Why do you always have a positive attitude when most people hate showing up to work? That, to me, is what it means like to be in the world but not of it. Things could be falling apart at work. The, the, the atmosphere could be toxic. But yet, when you show up and people talk to you, they see a reflection of Jesus. But they just don't know it's Jesus. They just see that there's something, there's something different about you mm-hmm. in the way that you carry yourself. Why do you do that? So Some people just may get on their damn nerves. They might not even like you for that. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you are set apart in your workplace. And don't be good at work and then go home, kick the dog, and beat your wife. That, that's not what we're talking about here. You're anchored in your relationship with Jesus, and that permeates in everything you do. Well, what are the two most uh, important things Jesus said, right? When they were trying to say, the what, what are the be- what are the what's the best commandment to follow? Whatever those Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever those guys were trying that's to first say. First and greatest. You're right. Yeah. What, what, what were they? You know, love, love thy God with all your heart. Mm-hmm. And then what was the second one? Do you remember, Mike? Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. All right. Yep. And that's how they will know that you're dis- his disciples, by the way. We love one another. Great, great segue. Let's go ahead and jump into the, sec- to the second part of this, which is how are we to be light in this world? I found two scriptures. So the first one is, is on Matthew. salt and light. Yep, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Mm. I like that last part. It lights the whole house. So wherever, whatever house you're in, man, it should be apparent that a believer lives in this spot, right? Some Somebody who's uh, the light of the world. And I feel like Jesus told people on the Sermon on the Mount because maybe they didn't realize that, that you live in your life a certain way, you following after the words of truth would change everything, your dynamic, not only inside of you, but it would change the dynamic outside of you. So I feel like mm -hmm. that that's what, that's kind of like what we're called to do is, is be that light to the, to a world of darkness. There was a man sent from God and his name was John. He was not the light, but yet he was a witness to the light. It says in, in the book of John, right? So the Lord was sent into the earth and then John was a witness to that light. And so he was like a small light pointing to the big light. So that's kind of like what we're supposed to be. I, I once did a message that was, um, there was a man sent from God and it was just like a blank. And I went around the room. What does that look like if you're that witness to the witness of Jesus? What does that look like to you if you're that witness running around to the whole world saying that the Messiah's on the way? Here he comes. He's coming right behind me. Because he was, he was the first one to know who Jesus was, other than Mary, right? Yeah. Mary, in the womb. Because when, when Mary went up to uh, her cousin's house or whatever she was, yeah. her sister or whatever. Or, her aunt, her uh, cousin. Right. And, and the baby started uh yeah uh, get, got filled with the spirit as yeah, jesus as came soon as he walked out. in yeah so yeah. he knew right away i like your analogy on portals oh. when you talk about being portals you want to care you care to share that real quick sure I, I, I think that illustrates what we were just talking about it's like being a portal yeah i used to look at it like uh i wanted to be christ-like so much that I, I would look at my arms literally every day i get up at three in the morning and pray up very often and uh, and I would just be like, Lord, it's the day the day I'll get the stigmata, right, or whatever. Dang, <laughs> hold on, where are we going with this one, Mike? <laughs> Find him in a room, all laid out. Of <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, light would be shining, all right. I, I was I running, mean, bro. I, I could feel his presence so heavy in me that I was like, Lord, I got it. I'm, I know when I open my eyes, I'm gonna have the nail marks in my, cause you're so much a part of me that it's gonna be coming out of me, but. The thing I found out was there was only there's only one Christ and he knows how to be himself all the time. You can't ever be him. Mm. So the best thing is the best thing you Come could on. do is portal him in and have him walk his life in your body, right? So it's not it's not that I'm trying to be Christ like, I'm trying to be a portal or a doorway to let him come in and just walk through me, walk in me, use me. So maybe the stigmata will never come, but you know, uh, but I get, I get a great show. If he's not here at the next show, <laughs> somebody hand... look in his room. Lola, help this dude out. He's, up, him up, he's the wall. up hanging on the wall. <laughs> the spirit of Christ compels you. The spirit of Christ. Where's the holy water? Yeah. We're going to have to do an intervention. You walk around beating yourself with one of them whips, bro. <laughs> but, um, 
no good point like us being a portal of light for others and allowing sure. Jesus to come through us it's better than allowing demons y'all let's talk about some simple ways for us to be able to be light in the world and the first one I want to start with is sharing our faith it's simply if you see somebody who is struggling or somebody who who you have the opportunity to, to talk about with Jesus mm. go for it you mm -hmm. never know what can happen but first allow them to see that in you okay I think it's it, it in this world it can be challenging to just walk up to somebody and do like the you know street preachers. God bless sure. them, they're brave. They just walk on a page. Jesus loves you, blah blah blah. Um, for some people like myself, I'm not comfortable doing that. So I look for these little opportunities through asking people questions that opens up the door for me to allow allow me to share my faith. Mm -hmm. That's just one way that I do it. How do you guys tend to share your faith with others? One of the best ways that I that I love to do is I always pray for God to allow me to have him open up doors for me to walk through in someone's life. Mm. Like um like my friend Jeff always says, a divine appointment. You don't have to walk around with a billboard a physical billboard to shout out that you're a Christian by your actions, by what they see in you, by what you do, by the display of love for the people around you, they should be able to see Christ in that manner. Mm -hmm. And I can, I could tell you there's been numerous of times that I was able to share the gospel to people just for the simple fact that I don't cuss at work anymore. Mm. I, when I'm, I, I do, you know, a lot of times I'm around construction guys when I have, you know, other people with me or I'm on a job site or whatever, there's, there's a, there's a tone that is set that we all know, right? Everybody's been on a, a job site and there's a, there's a reason why people say, you know, they have certain things to say about construction guys because, or what, how, what's that saying go? Um, there's uh, stereotypes for a reason, sure. right? Yeah. And so that, and it's true. Like it when true. you're on a construction site, you're going to hear uh, a filthy mouth and, and bad things talked about with women. It took me a long time to break that habit of being there. And then I, I got confronted in my heart one day uh, by God because I was trying to reach this kid, this guy at my job. I was, I was speaking God to him. But when we were at lunch, I was cussing and I was talking the same as everybody else. And God said, what, what, tell me how I could separate you from, from this circle right now. And I just looked around and I was like, oh, I, I, that, mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. So from that moment on, I, I quit cussing at work. Mm -hmm. And little by little, I noticed people not cuss around me. Mm -hmm. And then when someone new would come into the group or new on the job or whatever, they would cuss. Somebody would be like, hey, uh, he, you know, he doesn't cuss, so watch your mouth or something like that. You know, like <laughs> it's it was it was like a respecting. Yeah, like people yeah. respected that. And then it opened the door. People were. Uh, some of the guys were like, "Hey, how come you? Why didn't why don't you cuss? Like, what are you a good boy or goody two shoes or what? What's the deal?" And and then that opened the door for me to to to, to to uh invite you know to share my testimony and to let people know. And I wrote down at the beginning when we were taking notes before we started this podcast was to use this saying at the very end because I think it it's very uh, profound is that God will use your darkness to be the light in someone's dark place. Amen. Right? And that's what I felt when I was able, when people asked me why I don't cuss anymore or what, what the thing was, or then I could open up about my drinking and about uh, my testimony, using my testimony, using my dark places, right, mm -hmm. to, to share with them. And I not, you know, I wasn't out there, you know, 
throwing Bibles at everybody and 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 stuff. But God always like God. I prayed that God would always give me that that sit that situation to share His love with people. Agreed. It, it's the only kind of fishing where you're the you're the fisherman and the bait. <laughs> you throw yourself in. <laughs> throw yourself in. Yeah, kind of crazy. It is. Another area I want to talk about is walking in the spirit as a believer. Start learning how to walk in the spirit. An example would be from Galatians five sixteen through twenty six, and it says, "Keep in step with the spirit." And I'll read uh, I'll read some of this to you. It says, "But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do." But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and uh, things like these. That's what we were just talking about, all the stuff of the world. Mm. But then it goes on to say, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and being one another." All of the stuff that we said that the world does is described in this. But when somebody can see you being in step with the Spirit, they're going to see the fruit of this Spirit, which is everything as described. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Mm. People can see that in you. And they'll know you by the fruit that you bear, which is the final topic on here. Mm -hmm. Like, be known for the fruit. If they can't, just like Mike said, if they can't tell you apart from the world, then what good is your testimony? Mm. It doesn't matter. That's more of a depressed money. Depressed money. <laughs> I always, I always, uh, I always take um, the Mike V approach to everything. I call it the, the Mike V. I call it the Mike V saying, right? You should be a DJ, yeah. bro. Oh, yeah. DJ no, Mike V. He goes, uh, and I shared this before uh, on on last year's one of last year's episode, right? And I, I carry this. Honestly, I carry this. To this day, I think Mike me. needs some counseling with this one. Yeah, uh -oh. <laughs> no, but no, it's it's a good thing because you know um, there was a there was a moment in time um, for you for all the earlier listeners that are still with us. They've heard me talk about when I was going through my depression when when mm -hmm. I we did an episode about depression and I was in this dark place and and I looked up to Mike. You know, he was he was one of my uh, uh, mentors that I was seeking to be like and. I came to him brokenhearted, spirit was broken, the devil was dragging me through everything, right? And I said, and I was talking about how depressed I was and how dark it is and this and that. And he just looks at me, he goes, well, if you don't want to be depressed, then don't be depressed. It's that simple. And I looked at him and I was like, this fool, man, I'm like, what? You know, I was like, boy, like if I wasn't a Christian man, no, <laughs> you know? And so I, I literally, I, I stopped talking to him for two weeks. Right, like I just avoided him. I was like, "This guy don't know nothing about nothing." He's, he's just telling hey. me like this and that. But two weeks, two weeks went by, and this was on my heart heavy, and I was upset with him, and I was mad, and 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 I was like, "God, what? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way?" And then in, in that two weeks, I got 
I, I was fighting this depression and I was in this dark place and I heard Mike's voice, if you don't want to be depressed, don't be depressed. And I, and I opened up my Bible and I just started reading literally like maybe four or five lines verses. And I was like, and then I, I stopped and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I started writing what I was thinking, what I got from the verses and an hour goes by and I'm like, oh, it is that easy. I was so mad at myself. I, I was so brokenhearted <laughs> because I, 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 I knew what he was saying at that moment. I got it, you know. I got it. Like I understood what he was saying. Light bulb, you moment. know. And it, and, it, and I think that concept, the Mike V concept, uh, which I'm gonna coin, <laughs> um, trademark is yeah. It is that simple. You don't want to deal with lust. Open your Bible. You don't want to deal with depression. Open your your Bible. If you don't want to deal with alcohol, whatever spirit is attacking you, open your Bible, and mm. and it is that easy. And you may be mad at me, like I was mad at Mike for saying that, uh, but I'm telling you, as somebody that been through what I've been through, and to hear what I heard from him, and to be where I'm at today, I literally, I know I'm joking about it, but I literally take that concept with me everywhere I go. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is that easy where you just choose. What God mm. has given us, the one power over everything is the power of choice. We choose to be and to to be what we are, to be where we are. Amen. 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 Yeah, and all, I think ultimately I, I'd like to listen to what people say. And whenever I hear things like my alcoholism, mm -hmm. my depression, my, I guess, self-loathing, my sadness... You you hear people and they identify that as that's part of their who their attributes of who they are, and I, my thing is trying to get them to understand that's not an attribute of the child of God that's in you. It's an attribute of your flesh, mm -hmm. and if you learn to walk in the spirit, you just don't you won't glorify the works of the flesh. So be aware of that. Like when you're identifying things to you with you with your with your sadness with my anger. Right. My, people will say my anger and oh, no. I'm like, it's just anger, man. Like, <laughs> let it go. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's and just walk in the spirit and you I, I think offended because uh, it's easy for me to get offended if I'm not walking in the spirit. But if I'm walking in the spirit, that's how I know when I am and when I ain't, because when something offends me, I'll know I ain't in the spirit. When something don't, when something, when, when it doesn't offend me, I'm like, this is like, la, 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 <laughs> right? It's just walking, keeping my head in the, in heaven, in the clouds, walking in the spirit. Yeah. That's ultimately, I think, where we need to be focused. And it's not so much that you are trying to pass out tracks or be intentional about your witness, but at times on the job site, where I, wherever I work around the guys I work, a lot of people call me and they ask for prayer. So I'll go in the back room, man, and I'll just start pulling heaven down like a garage door. And then when I come out, man, they're like, man, I need to go to what church do you go to? Where, <laughs> right? Mike's I'll a prayer just, warrior, <laughs> man. Mike is a prayer warrior for sure. Uh, Intercessor. Man, so I, I I just feel like that 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 things like that, right? One time I uh, I think back in November I kicked a trash can because uh, they left the trash next to the trash can instead of in it, and the raccoons like spread it all over the yard. I kicked the trash can, man. I was so mad, and I kicked it until I couldn't feel my foot. You know, my foot. I didn't break the trash can though. That was crazy. I just kicked the corner of the bottom corner of it, and it was a big thick plastic one, and um. I went to work and then I, I called a guy I work with and I was like, man, can you pray for me, man? I just, 
I can't get this off of my mind. I didn't really insult anyone or chew anyone out, but I, I, I made it like a kind of a lot of noise. And now I feel bad for it. And before it turns into something that's an overnight thing, I just want to get it out in the open. I just want somebody to right now. I feel so in my feelings that I can't pray, but I know if somebody just starts leading me there, I'll, I'll, I'll know where to, uh, it's like, uh, like with those gliders that they, they take up in the air, right? Once you get, once you get me up in the air, I'll start soaring, but I need somebody to take me there. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I call the dude I work with and, uh, I'm praying. And so he's praying and he's like, dude, he was like, this is crazy. He goes, but I, me and my wife, or she wants to get a divorce. I'm like, really? And he's like, dude, so this is what I'm going to do for you. I can't think past that, what she's telling me this morning. So I'm t- I'm going to say this. I'll pray for you and you pray for me. Amen. And I'm like, okay. And uh, one of the guys who was helping me came into the van to get some drywall out while I was praying, man. He goes, man, he goes, are you, he goes, brother, what are you doing having church in here, man? He goes, stigmata, stigmata. <laughs> He's all running out with the drywall. Why are the- stigmata in there? Why are the lights, what are those lights in the van? What's going on in there? Yeah, man. But, yeah, he was wondering if we were going to take an offering up, man. He's like, man, you guys are getting, you guys are getting lit, brother. You on fire in here. Yeah. But yeah, but basically that's what I think that's what it is. That's my life is just, that's all I know how to deal with things, man. Yeah. I get too much pressure when I get, when I, when, when it's too stressful, when I got too much anxiety, I just start, I just start calling on heaven, man. Yeah. Take it all away. It's like a Calgon, right? Like the, take you remember, me away. remember those commercials in the eighties? I could mm-hmm. give you a bath that just take all your problems away, man. I just like go into heaven and it's not that I come back with a different, uh, with with a different life. It's just that I come back with a different understanding of life, you know. Sure. And when you when you uh, to piggyback off what you said about when people would say my depression, my anger, my anger, my alcoholism, you know this and that. When you say my, you're identifying yourself as that. Sure. And it, we read in the scripture the one that you opened up with. Love not the world. Yeah, First John two fifteen, right? Sure. Um. When you're identifying yourself as that, God cannot live. Sure, you can't. You, you got. You're not gonna be have God's presence in you, right? Because you can't have evil. You can't have depression in you, and 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 have God's presence in you. So when you're claiming that, right? Because words are really powerful. What does it say in the Bible about the tongue? Right. Sure. It's the power life of life, life and take it. Right. So when you're saying my, you're claiming that as you. Sure. And that's not God. Yeah. So it's for yeah. You do got to do a follow up with those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Yeah. You got <laughs> my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Lord. My God. Yeah. You know that's your that's who you're identifying with. So I will encourage people to be careful about what they're struggling with and how they're saying it. You know, when you cause my wife would she, when she was getting on me uh, when I would always get into these little stints of like uh, being down. I call and, them a cycle. Yeah, and I'd be like, probably a certain time of the month too. Yeah, <laughs> no, real. Yeah, yeah, but no. Well, like I would be depressed, and she, I'd be like, yeah, my depression. My de-, she, she would get mad. She'd be like, why? Stop. Are owning. you claiming that? And she's like, that's. And then for her to really say, like, to, she put it in the context of that what I just shared with sure. you. Sure. Your identity. Your identity is in Christ, mm-hmm. not in depression. You know, depression is what you're fighting. That's a spirit. You're going. That that spirit is attacking you. Your identity is in Christ. Right. And I had to really pay attention to the way I was speaking because 
I was speaking that and I was staying in it when I was identifying myself as it, you know, especially like you, one of the things that I always run into with guys that struggled with alcohol when they, they would go to AA and I always told them like, you, you, I don't really like how you stand up and say, my name is uh, Mike and I'm an alcoholic, you know, like you're claiming that. And, and, and you're staying stuck in that. And, and yeah, there have been a lot of people that have, you know, I'm not bashing AA at all, but I'm coming from uh, um, a perspective of, of the things that I've conquered. And one of the things I stopped saying is I'm, I'm, re I'm going to recovery. Mm -hmm. I'm recovery. I'm recovering. I, I've recovered. I changed that and I've, I've graduated from recovering to being recovered. Now I'm able to go back when I'm invited, uh, which Mike hasn't invited me for a very long time to speak at, at recovery road. But you know, you, you, you gotta, I always encourage people to start changing your language about how you speak about yourself because that's how you identify yourself. And if you get the concept of you're going through recovery to be recovered, mm -hmm. right? That's the goal. That's the end goal is to get people out of their rut and into uh, into the presence of God so that they can live out the purpose of their life. Yeah. And that's basically taking somebody out of the world and into the scriptures and into the life, into the kingdom, right? From the world into the kingdom. And before we wrap up, I just wanted to piggyback on you guys and saying like, when we're when you're coming out of the world and then you're starting to walk in the kingdom of heaven, the identity piece is something that you're going to have to wrestle with. You're going to have to shake some stuff off because when you start coming out of the world, your life does change. People mm -hmm. who you used to hang around with will start fading away if they're not part of the kingdom. And I'm not saying that you can only have friends who are Christians. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that the nature of your circle when you come out of the world and into the body of Christ will start to change. That includes your family. That includes your friend group. That includes all kinds of associations that you may have had. You're also going to find that people may not invite you to the things that you used to go to. This is all part of being in the world or being in the world, but not of it. Mm. And, and you can still walk as a Christian, go to those family functions and hang out with the folks and, and not have to preach to anybody but you shall be known by the way that you carry yourself. As a matter of fact, I just want to state this, and I learned this from my ESV study Bible, and in the notes it said, the place of believers during this lifetime is not to withdraw from the world, but to remain in the world and to influence it continually for good, as difficult as that may be, okay? It's going to be challenging for you, but you'll know, as with all things, it gets easier over time. You cannot be afraid of losing stuff. Just like Mike was talking about earlier. Like, hey, is it what am I going to have to take to this altar and sacrifice? Mm -hmm. Is it your love for money? Is it your love for a lifestyle? Is it your love for, for sex? What are those things of the world and those influences from culture that have attached themselves to you like a leech that are preventing you from your walk and, mm -hmm. and, and, and walking in the light? Right, Because the best way for you to get is to get out of the darkness and into the light so that way you can be a light. And that's what I wanted to leave folks with. Anything else you guys want to leave folks with? Sure. I would like to say um, if at any point your, your walk looks a little wishy-washy, 
I'm going to say that you're not going to have the greatest influence on the people around you, but there is hope because mm-hmm. that's, it's the growing process. So, so don't get so discouraged when you blow it. So maybe uh, you've been staying away from cussing for a little while, but then you said the F word one day or you got real mad and kicked the trash can like I did. But there still is hope and repenting, right? So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Then I would like to say this. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God, but resist the devil and he will flee from you. Mm. Guys, this is crazy. To, but uh, I said this in the recovery class a couple weeks ago. That it takes one angel, if you read the book of, uh, if I read the book of Revelation, I think it's chapter 21, right? It takes one angel to come out of heaven and he comes down to earth and he grabs the devil and chains him up like a dog and drags him off to hell. One angel it takes. And we think that, you know, that, that, that we think that God is unfair for the devil being in our life. We want to blame the devil for our car breaking down and bodily functions and really it's our a lot of our thoughts like your emotionals your emotional system is key to your healing in your body like if you have a bad emotional system you're probably gonna be sick all the time because you're sick in your mind and you have to and you have to learn how to be healthy in your thinking so once you once you renew your mind and start thinking of this is what God says about me. This is what God says. This is why is he Jehovah Jireh? Why is he Jehovah Rapha? Why is he my healer? Why is he why is he my provider? Right? If if you begin to take those truths and apply them to your life, then you're going to be see, you're going to see a whole different world of doors open up for you that God is real. God is true and every man else is a liar. Right? So I definitely think that resisting the devil is what we're built to do. It's what we're made to do. And if you ain't resisting him, you're giving him ground. And if why give him ground? Why give him anything? He's took so much part of your life before. Let him let let him let let him go away by the resisting of him. But it takes humility to the Lord. Humble yourself before Almighty God. And then that's how that's what is the key to your success. That's what makes him run off resisting him he ain't gonna keep coming to somebody who goes fighting him off fighting him off fighting him off when there's like 15 other people who just have a open door for him to just come on in they got this couch all warmed up and the blanket <laughs> on the couch they got the fireplace going they're like come on in you know you got to just keep on resisting him man kick him out of that place man don't let him have none of your stuff like mike said don't let him have my don't let it be my depression my anger my alcoholism let it be it, it, it's a thing of the past i'm a new creation in christ right and so we would like to pray with you today if you need prayer for that come to the cross come and get onto the starting line and start a whole new life a whole new world with the maker and creator of the world who's able to abound in your life he's able to defeat the enemy he's able to um give you better a better uh, emotional feeling about yourself which it leads to better health for yourself he's able to give you better tips in managing your money a better uh, um, success in your marriage success as a parent success in your job success in everything 
right? Go ahead, Mike. You took all the words I was about to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Take the Mike V the approach, everybody. everybody. No, I, 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 I say this. Two things I want to make very, uh, I want to put to light is for one, what Mike said, what we were talking about earlier. Don't, don't be claiming anything that's as your own. Claim Christ above all. And the second thing is when you find yourself in a place where you, you're really questioning your thoughts. I I will pray for you. I pray for all of us all the time uh, in our dab group. I, I, I love the fact that the Lord has uh, given me uh, a platform to intercede for people. And I, I always, I, I want to remind everyone, I'm nothing special. I, I'm not. Mike V, he'll tell you the same thing. He's nothing special. And David will say the same thing. We're, we're no different from you. Mm-hmm. And, and regardless of everything we talked about, if you're struggling with, you know, sexual sin, maybe it's lust, maybe it's uh, homosexual stuff. If you're struggling with money or drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, it's a struggle. And that's what it is. It's a struggle. It's a, it's where your, your mind and your heart is. That's where it starts at. And so please just take note that you can get through it. You have three examples sitting here of a life that every one of us walk down a different road but we're all three of us are sitting here at the table all because of one person and that's jesus christ so if you are if you're if you're continuously banging your head against a wall and and looking for a change and you keep doing the same thing over and over again i i ask you and i challenge you to just open up your word and and I'm not going to offend Mike and ask you to uh, repeat this prayer after me because I don't want to be cast out of here. <laughs> but I will say this in in the scriptures, it does say in the scriptures. And I'll ask Mike to to help me find that scripture because I know he knows it. But it's Romans it, 10, 13. Yep. And what does it say? Those that call out the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> Amen. So find your Bible, open up to Romans 10 and read through it because that's it will give you the steps to necessary to be saved to start your journey. And I'm always going to pray for your guys' journey. Um, and just all, and the guys that are do are Christian men that are struggling with things, put God first. Put God first. And everyone, I want to leave you with this as we close out. In John chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus states, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. So everyone, we want to say good night, and we want you to keep it kingdom and keep it one. Amen. Bye. Peace. (laughs) Peace. Word to your mother.